We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be home. And I want to thank every one of you today for being here. There are other places you could have been, but you chose to be here, and we want to thank God for that moment where we could be together in relationship, lifting up the name of Jesus, being able to sing, being able to shout, and being excited for his, what he's doing in our lives. Indeed, it's an honor for me to be here, and I want to thank God for um, the investment that you have made over the years in being able to pour out the oil. The oil for me is John and a group of guys who came to us in 1987. And from since then, the relationship continues. And we may not talk every day, but when we meet, it's like as if, well, we've seen each other every day. And it's all begun with an understanding of real relationship. And one of the things that for us, we felt when we look at the examples of men who uh, would speak about being leaders of great work, of ministries, or would say churches, and one of the things that they would want is to really come to us to more or less bring the word to the church and speak to individuals. But never was it about relationship. They wouldn't know exactly how we were doing. They would not know anything was going on. But eventually, they would hear the call, well, I'm going to be in town, and I would like to know if I could get an opportunity to speak at your church. But with John, it wasn't that. With John, it was, I would like to come to see you. And sometimes he didn't get into the, the whole, like we are meeting here with everybody today. Just to be able to be at the hotel, he would want to know, how are you doing? How is your wife? How is Bernadine? How are the children? And that was one of the things that really got us, and Norma, and Mano, and then the other persons who are on this island of St. Martin who would really come together just to really be together. And so developing relationship and more or less to really be able to understand the heart of the Father that is being expressed by John. I want to say to you that I've learned so much. And I'm able to, I was able to make the difference because I had connection with different other persons around the world. One of them including the late Miles Monroe, where I was involved with him in a network called is the Third World Leaders. And I was involved with him, involved with other persons like Myers in, um, Richard Myers in New Jersey and uh, the, with another network called uh, One Heart World Fellowship. But there is nothing compared to what I've experienced with John Singleton and the friendship that we have developed and the understanding of growing in that which God has given us to do. And I want to thank God for him. And I'm here today, not because I wanted to share with you, but I wanted to be able to meet with my friend. 
to know exactly that we could, you know, we, we, we could touch each other. We could really be able to, uh, to touch the heart of each other. And staying at a distance and praying is good, it's significant, but being close is better. And I want to thank God for this, and that's one of the reasons why I was able to really communicate with Norma and Manu and our church and say to them, John have been, if we were, any one of us was in any situation, John would fly into St. Martin to see us. I want to give, I want you to put your hands together for him and his wife, Dawn, and for the children, because that's one of the things very important. We learn to appreciate those that we have who are serving with us. I want you to put your hands together for them. <laughs> one of the things that is so important is to reflect the heart of God, the Father. And that's what John has demonstrated to us and his families. And I want to say to you, as we understand what God has given to us, um, we, we think of the many things that have happened within the islands, the many times that we have shared in trying to establish um, leaders to really help them to, or to uh, understand the heart of God. In uh, St. Martin, Dominica, um, we've gone even into the Dominican Republic, the different things that we were able to uh, do together. And I have testimonies upon testimonies of things that we have really done. I've gone with him on trips in Zimbabwe, in Mozambique, in, and, and Sierra Leone. And therefore, when I look at the heart of John in being able to apply not just speaking a word, but living it. It's an expression that I see in him, and I'm saying I want to, uh, to, to represent that. I want to, be, you know, it rubbed on me in such a way that I feel I have something more to do than just being in one place. I want to be just as God did, sending Jesus Christ into the world, like you did in being able to send John into the nations the very same way. I'm saying, God, the very same the, the very same thing that you did, I want to see it in my heart. I want to know that I've been sent to the world to really represent your heart, to really be able to communicate. And that's to understand exactly that we have been given a birthright. We have been given something to express the inheritance that we have received, that we would want to share it with others. And that's what is so important. What we have, we cannot keep it for ourselves, but what we have, we need to be able to release it. So there was a time when the church in England received that revelation of that just few words to pour out the oil. And when you were able to really be able to very slowly begin to pour out, using your investment to pour these men into the world, and in so doing have touched nations, and there were many more that through this connection, the other places, the other people who could be touched. Because, because St. Martin was touched, we were able to go into Guadeloupe. We were able to go into St. Lucia. We were able to go into the Dominican Republic. We were able to go into Haiti and touch other men in the very same way, which means there is a multiplication that takes place because you obeyed God in sending out somebody from you. 
And when he went, he didn't just go, but the lifeline went also. So I want you to put your hands together for yourself, for being able to be obedient in cooperating with what God is doing and being able to be released to the nations of the world. So I want you to put your hands together for yourself. Today, if I were to uh, take a topic to share with you, I would speak to you on a very important scripture from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, from verse 14 to 30. This is a very important, interesting um, parable where Jesus is speaking about someone who is going on a journey, but before he leaves, he's a rich, he's, he's a rich, rich person who is leaving his his. He's able to pour out of his inheritance. He's able to pour out of what he has into the lives of three different persons. And he's explaining us that. And therefore, I would like us to really take it up. And if I were to really give it a topic, I would talk about bagging, having a bag, being able to bargain, having a bargain mentality. Or trading, trading, is our lifestyle. Trading is our lifestyle. Now, it's important to understand the term there, trading. When you think about trading, it means every one of us, every day, we're involved into trading. Like it or not, we are trading something. You are trading every day you get up. Even right now, while you're sitting, where you are sitting, you're trading. You're in a point exactly where you're trading your time. You're trading your time today, and I, I, I'm sure it could be a time that is benefiting for you as well as you could think as well. Well, that time that I traded listening to Hilton was a loss for me. So it's either trading is a blessing to you, it's either trading is something positive to you, as trading can be something negative to you. And therefore, it's important for us to really understand exactly that God has given us something that we could trade. And the question would be, what is it that he has given to us? What is it that he has given to me that I should trade? Why am I so important to him that he would, he would be able to uh, invest into me? Making an investment. And... I want us to be able to look at this, and uh, I want us to go into the scripture. I would be looking at it from the TPT version. I want to look at it from that point. It reads, again, heaven's kingdom realm is like the wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servant and assigned his financial managers over to them. Or he assigned his financial management over to them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the third, a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money 
and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who, the, the, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. But the one who had been entrusted 1,000 gold coins dug a hole and in the ground, he dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle account with his servants. The one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000 saying, See, I have doubled your money. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you have been a faithful steward, notice what it says, you have been a faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had received the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came in and said, See, my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coin came to his master and said, look, sir, I know that you are a hard man, too pleased, and you've shrewd and ruthless businessman who grow rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It is yours. Angered by what, the, uh, what he heard, the master said to him, You've an, You're an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money into the bank? Then I would have received it all back with interest when I return. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coin and give them to the one who, had, who has 10,000. For the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance. And the one with hardly anything, even what little he has, will be taken from him. Then the master said to his other servants, No, throw that good-for-nothing servant for away from me, far away from me into the outer darkness there, where there will be great misery and anguish. In this story, I take the time to read it out, not in the point of really um, 
as the object lesson, helping us to really be able to get our own understanding. I'm not here to really give us a full detail of everything, but it's the point where you should be able to work out for yourself what you are understanding that God is saying to you. I know it is a, a, a parable as to an event that Jesus Christ wants us to ponder upon. But if you notice exactly that it is the master's, the, the, everything belongs to the master. Whatever you have, when you receive eternal life, it belongs to him. Eternal life is not yours unless or was not yours not until he gives it to you. So that means you inherit eternal life. And how do you inherit eternal life? You inherit eternal life because it was given to you when you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. That's when you were born again. So if you don't understand exactly what he gives to each one of us here is a birthright. Born again. And we are supposed to trade it. Not just keep it to ourselves. Jesus is the son who had the birthright. He is the only begotten of the father. But notice what he did. He did not stay in heaven and say, I love. He came to earth and demonstrated love. God, in John 3.16, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Send him to a place like Africa. Send him to a place like Israel. Allow him to be born in a manger. In a stable where hotels and inns were too full to, there was no space for him. He was born in a place, it seems as if, well, it was a shell of a place. A king who is coming to be born into the earth, who is supposed to redeem mankind, should really have the best luxury there was. But when he came to earth, it was a place, an abandoned place. A place where animals would really take cover for that night. But he chose to come in that place. And that's where he was born. It's not where you were born, but where you would go afterwards. He was born in the lowest of places. But notice, eventually, according to Philippians chapter 2, God have a highly exalted him and placed him to a position. Why? Because he took upon him the form of a servant. He took upon him the form of a man. And he came for one reason, to distribute the birthright to each one of us today. And our job is not to hold it on for ourselves, to hold it as an inheritance for ourselves, but our job is to be able to release that inheritance for other persons to inherit that birthright so that they would be a part of the family of God. The scripture says to us in John chapter 1 and verse 11 and 12, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as receive him, to them gave he the power, to them gave he the right, to them gave he the authority, to him gave he the legal document to become sons of God. What we are trading for is so that persons will become sons. Sons, the revealing of the son. The son should be revealed. The earth is waiting for the manifestation, the showing up 
to put on display who? Sons of God. What we are here for, and if all we are here for today is just to sing a few, a few songs, just to listen to one another, but we are not sons, we miss the mark. If all we are here for is to preach and see miracles and persons would really bring up to really say how much of a name that we have. Or we are pastor, we are evangelists, we are this or we are that, we have this title. And if all at the end of the day our name is just to be a bishop or whatever that we have and we have not demonstrated pouring in the life of Jesus so that persons will become sons, we have just wasted our time. And so notice, this man, he gave out talents. And in the point, within our day-to-day, talent may speak of abilities. And we look at it in terms of abilities that we have, all we can do, everything that, all our expertise, all our gifting, our skills, and we will think about it in that sense. But when Jesus gave it, in that sense, the term their talent did not mean that. It means about the, the, what he gave, one talent was equivalent to one year's working, or the, the, the salary that somebody would receive for one year. So that means that the person received a substantial amount of money. It was treasure. It was value. And he gave that. Notice, you'd say, well, there was some kind of unfairness in what he gave because the point is he did not give everybody the same amount. He should give one five, the other one five, and the other one five. But notice exactly it was his will to do what he wanted with it. But notice he gave everybody based on their on, on, on what he th- thought that they could use. He gave it to everybody. And each one of them, the, the, they went out, the Bible says to us, the first two went out and traded what they had received. They, they made an investment in what they received. Are you making an investment of what you receive? What is it that you've received that you would call the talent that your heavenly father has given to you? What is it that you have received that you are trading? What is it that you are using that you are involved in that really gets other person to buy? What is it that you're giving that people can buy into? And that's what's important. So I said to you, first of all, we could say it was ability. But secondly, we'd say it was faith. Maybe it was faith. Because it says to us that, the scripture says to us, in the book, it says that we need to have faith in God or have the faith of the Son based on having the faith of God. Like Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, he says, have faith in God. For without faith, the, the Paul says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse, it is impossible to please God. To him who cometh to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That means faith is that which we, an investment, is that, that which was given to us. In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3, it says that he has given to each one of us a measure of faith. A measure of faith. So that means every one of us have received a measure. It doesn't say that everybody received the same amount of faith, but each one of us have received a measure of faith, and we can either stay with little faith or we can move to a capacity of great faith. And we notice Jesus Christ, and many times he looks at the disciples and says, Oh, you have little faith. 
But he looks at the woman who comes to him and she's saying that my daughter is vexed with a demonic spirit. And Jesus said, woman, it's not fitting for me to take the, the, the bread which belongs to the, ch to, the, to the children and give it to you. She went down on her knees and she, she said, she bowed and said, yes, Lord. She worshipped. That's another thing that he has given to us. Can we say that worship everybody? Worship. She went down to position of worship. Worship is part of the birthright. She was a worshiper. She went down and she worshipped. And she agreed with him. We cannot agree with our father. She agreed with him. And she said, yes, Lord. But the dogs eat from the crumbs which falls from the master's table. What she's saying in her actuality is, Lord, I'm not asking, Father, Jesus, I'm not asking for a whole bread. What I would like if you give me just the crumbs. Just the crumbs is enough. Just the crumbs, that's all I need. The crumbs is enough to do the job. The crumb I could trade. You could trade that, that crumbs, that little bit that fell while you were breaking the bread, that little stuff which came out from that. Yeah. All I need, if my daughter received that, that's enough to fight the demonic spirit over her life. And Jesus said, he said, great faith. Can you say that, everybody? Great faith. Notice, she did not just, she, he didn't give it to her. She, she produced great faith based on understanding who was in her presence, who she was in relationship with. The Bible says, that's what we read just now in the book of Hebrews 11 and verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that relentlessly seek him. All right? So, faith. So, you could see, uh, Hilton, um, if faith is the inheritance, if faith is the birthright, but what it says about if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say into this mountain, be thou removed, and then can you lose it? Can you lose it? Well, maybe we may have a little difficulty here. But let's say it was not faith. What else? I would peel and say exactly that what he has given to us is his word. Each one of us has been given his word. So the word of God is our birthright. If we stick to the word of God, that's how Jesus overcome the devil in the temptation when he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Jesus traded the word and defeated the enemy by using the word. So he came to speak the word. And so John, John the baptizer, he came on the scene and the first thing he did in Matthew is to introduce 
Jesus as the kingdom of God in the midst of humans. And he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's in Matthew chapter 3 verse 2, 1 and 2. And then in chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus starts his ministry. And the scripture says, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus started by introducing to every man the kingdom of God, which is saying it is close to your reach. That means you can connect with it. You can feel it. You can handle it. You could have a relationship with the kingdom. And what he's saying, the kingdom of God, he's speaking in terms of the rule of God. He's speaking about the life of God being expressed in the earth. But it does not just take a, a, a structural position. The kingdom of God comes in a purse as a person, but it can also operate in the spirit. So the kingdom comes in the spirit, and where it first establishes itself is in within us. So the expression of the kingdom of God is not something that comes down and comes on us, and every time we are expressing, and saying, Holy Spirit, we expect you to come from above, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, in, math, in, in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, the last day of the feast, Jesus stood up and says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. If any man thirsts, anybody who drinks, he says, out of their innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. And the scripture put that into inverted commas and says, this speak he of the Holy Spirit with those who believe on him should receive because the Holy Spirit was not yet given. So that means Jesus, even before he went back to heaven, he spoke, if you're going to be representative of me, if you're going to be, represent me, wait for the Holy Spirit so that you would be able to receive power so that you would trade. You would make an investment with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one you're going to need to be able to crack the lives of stony hearts the, the, the Holy Spirit is that which you are going to need in order to change the mentality and the lifestyles of person. It doesn't matter how bad their life is. Holy Spirit is the birthright. The Holy Spirit is our birthright who can crack that thing so we can trade with the Holy Spirit. So what has he given to us? This, this talent can represent the Holy Spirit, which is our Birthright. And so the Holy Spirit is given to each one of us that we would not keep to ourselves, but we would go into the different spheres and make dents in the kingdom of darkness to transform light, to pull men out of the fire, to pull men out of sin, to pull men out of their struggles. But how it done? By giving love. Love, pouring love. Caring, give showing mercy, compassion, reaching out to individuals, looking at those who are downcast, 
looking at those who are in trouble, looking at those who are orphans. And being orphaned doesn't mean as someone who does not have a father and mother. An orphan could be somebody who does not have the life of God in them, and that person needs God. That child needs God. And that's how you pick up that child and adopt that person, and that child can be adopted into the kingdom into the, as a family of God. So somebody who does not have hope, somebody who is hopeless, somebody who is going through a difficulty, that you would be able to take that person in. And then you demonstrate love. It is hard, it is difficult for that person to receive. But then, as you keep on pouring love, as you keep on demonstrating love, eventually it happens. And you would understand what I'm speaking about. Some years ago, when it was said that you need to pour out your life throughout your community, one of the things that there were some ladies who took up a mission, and that mission was to be able to reach out to, the, to teach English to foreign people. And that were, the foreign people were persons who did not have the same faith like them. They were Muslim women. And they were able not to go about and tell them, well, you need Jesus. But all they started to do was to teach them English. And in teaching them English, taking different things that were practical at their homes and begin to use that as one of the method in trading. All of a sudden, the love in the way that they did it was demonstrated to these people. And these persons begin to say within themselves, we don't understand what, we don't understand anything that's happened, but we can see it. Love was demonstrated. I want you to give yourself a big hand for that because you did that. There are a lot of you here who demonstrated love to these women, to those persons who were foreign. But you know what? You were able to see their lives transform. Remember there was one testimony that I read and it, it within one of the Lifeline um, documentation. And it says, this woman in her testimony says, I don't understand, I don't know what is going on, but I can feel it. I can feel it. And just coming on the scene recently, I'm hearing of another testimony of this man who just got baptized. And one of the things that he was saying, you know, my life, since I've gone into the waters of baptism, I am free. The, every habit that this person had was able to be cut loose. You know why? Because the love of God was demonstrated by so few people. And that's what it's about. Wherever we are, wherever we are. And you see, I'm using this as a pulpit here today. But God is changing the pulpits. That it doesn't have to be within a church setting. It does not have to be within a particular um, church building. But your homes, there's a pulpit in your home. There's a pulpit, an opportunity for you to share the gospel at your school, at your classroom. There's an opportunity to share the gospel to really be able to give. So this brings us to the very important point, spreading the gospel. Paul gave his life just to spread, just to invest the gospel, just to trade the gospel. Our job is to trade it. Paul says within themselves, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes from the Jews first and then to the Greeks. I'm saying to us, we can trade or we can do like this last man who said he was afraid to trade. Two things was wrong about this man. Number one, he was afraid. 
that he lose it. He was afraid, so he dug, dug a hole and buried it. The second thing wrong about him, he was lazy. He was lazy. He would not take the time to make disciples. He would not take the time to, reach, to, to introduce others. to. He, was, he wouldn't take the time to go to the bank to be able to lodge his Lord's money for an interest. All he's asking you to do is to look for opportunity. The bank that you lodge the word of God is the hearts of life that God is able to transform. As you put the word in there, the word says to us in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1 from verse 10, he says the words, that, that word that I speak, he says it has the power to do whatsoever I tell it to. It will accomplish. It will prosper in whatsoever. Like. The word of God can transform any situation. The word of God in your mouth is powerful. Just as God is a creative God and spoke things into being, you are created in his image and likeness and have the same ability as, as God to speak. He gives you that DNA. The DNA that you have is to speak the word of God. And as you speak it, the words that you speak is able to transform and change life. Today, what is it that you could use that God has given to you that you can trade? What is it? Maybe it's not 10,000 or 5,000 pounds. Maybe it's not 1,000 pounds. But if you have it, would you prefer to keep it for yourself and hide it? Or would you want to invest it into a life? Or maybe that's not what it is at all. Maybe it's the opportunity to play instrument that you could take someone, a child, and begin to invest that, that ability that you have in the life of that person and see that child, it is invested in the child's life and that child become someone who can become an instrument for God to be able to, you are transforming the birth, you are, you are trading that birthright of the life of God in that child, and that child can eventually become a leader to change its community later on. Maybe it's not in that area, maybe it's in education. Maybe it's education that is a birthright that you have. You have that God has given to you, it's an ability that he has given to you. But you're using that platform that you have for one reason, and that is to reveal yourself as a son of God, that you can only speak not your message, but you speak his message. And the final thing I want to say is, Jesus said, in John chapter 4, from verse 35, they asked him the question. After the disciples had gone out to get food to bring to him, he says, eat something. He says, I'm not hungry. I have food to eat that you don't know of. And they said, have somebody brought food for him before while we had gone out? He said, my meat is to do the will of him who have sent me and to finish it. Not only did he have a starting mentality, but he also had a finishing mentality. You and I should not just start and turn back. You and I should make up our mind to finish. We should not do like this last man who in, took his investment, who took and did not trade it, but bury it. 
There's so many persons who are bearing what God has given to us, but we have an opportunity to dig up and pull it back up and put it into practice. Some of you have buried your birthright, or maybe some of you have done like Esau in the book of Genesis chapter 25. You might even sell your birthright. Sell it and pay like you don't, you're not interested in it. And if you're not sharing it, it means you have buried it. If you're not looking for opportunities for you to trade it so that it would be able to give glory to God, these persons, the two others, take a risk. And the risk they did, they took, was to lose what they have by investing it. Faith is not spelt F-A-I-T-H. Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Risk. Risking the five that was given to him and invest it to, he'll lose it somehow. Because when you sow it, when you put it in the ground, it will die. But after it dies, the time for investment, the time for it to bring upon an interest. Somebody say interest. That's what we invest so money for, to bring an interest. It's going to bring more. This man received five more, so he had ten. The one who had two, he did the very same thing. He lose it. He was not afraid. Quickly, they invested. But this man who had one, he was afraid, and he was lazy, and he lose it. At the end, the master said to him, take what this one that this man has and give it to the one who has ten. Take it from him. It seems unfair, but no. The master was fearing his judgment. He was not asking for the one who had five to the, the one who had one to bring ten. If I gave you one, you should be able to give me one more. The one who had two worked out the two. The one who had five worked out the five. But the one who had one, he was lazy. And I end with this and turn over to John. Thank you, Hilton. Left us with a question, isn't he? What has God given you that you could trade? You know, the great exhortation in the Word of God is that we are those who are doers, not just hearers. And uh, this may not be what you've heard this morning, but it's a very real question that he set for us. There may be other things that have been kind of enlightened to you for you, but I, I, I want to just pick up on that question. What has God given that you could trade? It's never given, just that we lead a life of sort of self-indulgence. God has given us rich things. Most of all, he's given us his spirit. He's given us the same ability, the same quality to love as he loved. It's a, it's a remarkable thing. Sometimes we can, we can almost get used to it and think, hmm, yeah, well, it's not a thing to get used to because the danger of getting used to it is uh, it just becomes part of us and we don't actually use it. So it's in the plan of God that he's equipped us. Thank God 
that we haven't we just got to sit and wait for some, some trumpet to sound and all go up and float on clouds or some nonsense like that, that we've been called into his eternal purpose, called for his purpose, equipped with his power to actually do what he wants. That's a very, very real privilege. All right, so do treat, treat that seriously. What has God given that you could trade? Or perhaps even a little bit more serious. Do you have a birthright that you've buried? You're not living in the good of? You can actually say, yes, I recognise that God has given me something by the power of his Holy Spirit. This salvation, this gift from God, this transformation, is, is not a sort of a doctrine or a theology. It's, it's a living experience. And I can, can I say, yeah, I've got that, but mm, I'm not living in it. It's a great opportunity to take seriously God's word. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK. Thank you.